one of my roles is to facilitate community groups and to really try to get those off the ground and really try to mobilize the church within community groups. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about community groups today and how that affects us as a church. And we're going to be in Acts 2, so if you want to uh, turn there or get on your device and go to Acts 2, we'll be there in just a moment. But one thing I'm really extremely passionate about is God's people being God's people. I'm really excited to see the church mobilize, and I have a firm belief and a strong belief that community groups is a, is a wonderful tool, an asset that this church can use in order to become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And so I've talked about them uh, before, and there's kind of uh, ambiguity about them. And I've also, we have several of them running right now. We have three of them running right now. Pastor Brad run, runs one, I run one, and Abe Voyan runs one. And so we're kind of still in the discovery phase of what these can look like for Oak Grove Church. But my hope and my goal for community groups is that they become the primary means into which we build this church, into which we um, build, our, build and grow in our walk with God as his sons and as his daughters, and that we grow closer as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the family of God, and to grow in those that, that gather with us. So, so my, my hope is that these community groups become that change agent within our church, but also that area in which, which we grow in all three of these areas. I want community groups to be a place that we do life together, and I've titled this series, or this short series, Christian Community. And I will be doing part one this week and part two next week. So I'm going to unpack a little bit next week what doing life together looks like, what intentional relationships look like. But for this week, I'm going to focus primarily on community groups through Acts 2. So my question is, what are we as a church, or what, what are we as Oak Grove Church going to be known for? What is, what is our desire to be known for? And we've made it really simple. We've put it into three little short phrases. It's behind the screen. It's behind me on the screen. It's to love God to love the family of God, and to love others. And so we've made it really simple. We've broken it down. We've broken down God's great commandment to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And we've broken down the great commission to go to all the world and preach the gospel. And that is our goal as a church. That's what we want to be known for. But how do we get there? How do we become that change agent in our environment? See, it is my belief that you cannot love if you're not in community. I'm going to, again, go through a little bit of that next week. But you can't love God if you don't have a relationship with him. You can't love something you don't know. You might think you do, but when push comes to shove, you don't really love that which you don't know. If you don't read his word, if you don't pray to him, if you don't communicate to him, how can you love him if you have no relationship? You can't love people if you're not in community with them. If we do not know each other, and if we don't let ourselves be known, how can we truly experience love amongst the body of Christ? Like I said, love can be very ambiguous. I love many things. I love the Vikings. I despise the Packers. Right there. I love my dog, but do I love my dog as much as I love my family? Some of you would say yes, and we should talk later. But you can't love what you don't know. And if, if we are to, to love each other as a family of God, yet we don't know each other, how is that possible? 
It is enough that we only come here and interact when the church doors are open. Is that enough? I mean, you don't have to answer that, but think to yourself. Is that enough to really truly know somebody to come here for a couple hours on Sunday morning and a couple hours on Wednesday night? Is that enough? Do you really feel that you're grasping in community with people? Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I don't know. That's something to think about. What tends to happen, and what I've seen happen in my own life, is we tend to, to put life in these different little segments. Okay? So our church life gets put over here, and then what we do on Monday through the rest of the week is kind of over here, and then maybe we uh, do a hobby. Let's say, you know, I play hockey, but let's say you do something else. Let's say you knit. Um, you know, I don't knit. I'm horrible at knitting. But let's say you knit, so you put this over here. And then, you know, I have hockey over here, and then I have church over here, and then I have, well, this applied before I worked here, and, you know, I have my, my job here out in the secular world. And I have maybe my family that I work with over here. So we, we tend to segment different points of our life. And my, my goal with the community groups is that we can take all that and put it under the umbrella of God's love. We can put all of that and see everything through the eyes of the gospel. See everything through as one lens, as one life, and one mission and one goal. And that mission and goal is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. To love our neighbor as ourselves and to preach the gospel. And so that's what I believe community groups have designed to help foster that type of lifestyle. And I believe it's designed to help hold us accountable in that. They're designed to encourage us on in the Christian life. And so I'm extremely excited to see community groups grow. I love my community group. I love being a part of it. I love the people in it. I've gotten to know people so much better that I probably normally wouldn't have gotten to know. And we get to share in all sorts of fun, exciting news. And we also get to help and share and help bear, bear those burdens. And so I'm excited for the fall. I'm excited for a new season of ministry. Um, and I believe that we are, I truly believe that we are on the edge of something great. I truly believe that God is going to take this church and just mobilize us for the gospel, for his kingdom work. And I'm a firm believer in that. But I also believe that community groups may be part of that edge, right? That community groups may be one piece that we put into play that helps us be the people God has called us to be. So let's turn to Acts 2, and we're going to take a look at what it means to be God's people. So Acts 2, starting in verse 42, it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is a great passage And God gives us great insight into what the first century church looked like, what the first church looked like. But let's take a look at the context of this passage real quick. So at the beginning of the chapter in Acts 2, we see the coming of the Holy Spirit. And this is very key. We see the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because back in Acts 1, Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, we see that promise fulfilled. So all throughout history, all throughout, God has been working. God has been making promises, 
and upholding his promise, keeping his promises. He had been making commands and staying true to those commands. So what God said is, wait in Jerusalem. I will send the Spirit. And so what his disciples do? They listen. And then the fulfillment of that command is in chapter 2. And that plays a key role later on. Also during that time is the Feast of Weeks, or also known as Pentecost. It was a harvest festival. It typically was 50 days after Passover. So kind of similar to maybe our state fair. I don't know. I think they had pronto pups. I'm not sure. Um, But you can imagine that it was a pretty big deal in Jerusalem, right? You have all these people coming from all sorts of areas, foreigners maybe coming to sell and trade. You had the displaced Jews probably coming back to their homeland on a pilgrimage. And you had obviously the occupation of the Roman Empire. So we had all sorts of people here. It's a nice little shindig, um, and they're all going down the giant slide together. It was a great time. Um, But we have, what we see here is we have the disciples in Jerusalem. There's about 120 other followers of Jesus. These most likely are the people that, um, as we see throughout the Gospels, there's other people traveling with Jesus, not just the 12, but these other people that maybe um, saw Jesus in those last 40 days. So we see that in Acts 1.15, the 120 people. So they're all together, and the Spirit has come, right? They're sitting there, and they're waiting for the Spirit. They're waiting anxiously for God's promise to come. And the Spirit comes. The Spirit came to be the helper. The Spirit came to show Jesus to the world. The Spirit came to unite all the believers and to convict in order to produce fruit. These are some of the reasons why the Spirit came. And so because of Pentecost, or because of that festival, like I said, there's many people there. And so what happened is the Spirit allowed the followers of Jesus to communicate with those foreigners in their native tongue. So when you have people from Wisconsin come into Minnesota, (laughs) it's like we're able to understand what they're saying. But we don't have that gift in the spirit right now, so it's, Wisconsin's a little hard. Um, I'm sorry, Wisconsin. But um, I'll pick on Iowa next time, I promise. So they're able to communicate, and so what happens is people are starting to think, oh, these guys are just liquored up, right? These guys are, you know, the local homeless people that are just, you know, wasted, right? They're starting to think these guys are crazy. And so what does Peter do? What does Peter the coward do? What does Peter the denier do? That's our next section in context here is Acts 2.14. Peter, Peter gets up, right? The guy said, I don't know Jesus, three times. Even to a servant girl, he was afraid. But he stands up in front of this multitude of people, thousands upon thousands of people, and he preaches. And he presents the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people were saved that day. Wouldn't it be awesome if you got up at the state fair and you preached and 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus? I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Um, that's probably the best that I could do, and I'll just call it quits after that, right? You know, well, I'm not going to top that, so might as well just be done. Um, but that's, that's amazing to see the, God, the working of God and the Holy Spirit. And so what we see is the beginning of the first church. We see the beginning of the church in Jerusalem, and then the church that grows from there and spreads to the world globally. And then that brings us to Acts, our passage today, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And so what we see, what we're seeing in this passage is we see the first church in community with each other. They're involved on a day-to-day basis. And so let's look at 42 again. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. They were gathered together and they were learning the teachings of Jesus. The apostles were passing on what they taught. They were learning the teachings of Jesus. 
They were in fellowship together. They were eating together. They were praying together, and they devoted themselves to that community unit. They devoted themselves to the church, the local church. And this is what we try to do in community groups, is mirror this a little bit. So we study the Bible together. We definitely hang out. It's okay to just hang out sometimes. And we, we of course, eat. And we pray together. And as the disciples are doing this, as the followers of Jesus are doing this, something happens. 43. It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So because of that relationship that started to grow with Christ in studying his word, learning what the teachings of Jesus told us to do, to, to love God, to love others, because of being together in prayer and getting to know each other, all came upon every soul. And the devotion to the word of God, the hanging out, the eating, the praying, the community. Because they were grounded in God's word, they became united through the Holy Spirit. And awe came upon them. See, they had a reverent fear and respect for God. And the Holy Spirit started working miracles and signs and many wonders through them. Because they were in the word, because they were in prayer, because they were in community, God is able to work through this unit. 44 tells us this. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they had all things in common. Now let me get this clear. We're not referring to a weird type of communism or the early stages of communism. That's not what we're talking about here. All things in common, is, is they're not making a mandatory, you must do this, you must sell your possessions, you must give to the poor, you must do this. This is not what's happening here. They aren't being forced to sell their possessions. There's no coercion happening. But because they are united, or we are united under the Holy Spirit, our desires have become the same. We have a common goal. We have a common mission. And what is that mission? It's found in Matthew 28. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And see, that's the job. That's the mission. That's, what God, that's the call that God has put upon his people. To go, therefore, and make disciples. That is what Jesus has commanded to do. Remember I talked about Jesus commanding things earlier? That's going to come into play again in a little bit. See, we will fail as a church if we're not united under the gospel through the Holy Spirit. We will fail if we allow our preferences to become more important than the gospel. We will fail if we let our preferences dictate where we go as a church instead of allowing the Spirit to move us and to proclaim the gospel. Because that is the only mission we have as followers of Jesus, is to preach the gospel. And we have to get out of our own way sometimes and preach the gospel. Because if we start to substitute the gospel for any other worthy cause, it could be a cause to end slavery, child slavery, human trafficking. It could be a cause to end something that is worthy to try to end. But if you unite under that cause, it is doomed to fail. Because we are not called to do that. We are called to preach the gospel, and we will let the gospel start to shape our world, and we'll let the gospel start to move into the areas that need to be, have the light brought in. And it is because of the gospel, and through the Holy Spirit, 
we are united. 46 says, and day by day, attending the temple together, attending church together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And it'd be hard-pressed not to point this out, that this seems to give an indication that Christian community has nothing to do with coming together once a week. Some of you have heard me say this before, but I see what we do here as, I'm going to put it in sports terms. Sorry for you people who don't like sports. That's all I know. Um, it's like a halftime. I see this gathering as a halftime. It's the halftime show. We've been out playing first, second quarter, and we need to take a little breather. We need to come together. We need to get our wounds bandaged. We need to fix our equipment. Then we come together and we worship and we praise. Then we go out of that again, third and fourth quarter. Hit it hard. And so that's what I see this is. But this gives us an indication in Acts that this is not a one-time thing. They're not just doing all this one day a week and then stepping out. So just because you come to Sunday service or you come to any other church program doesn't mean you're expressing true Christian community. You might be, but you may not be. Day by day, they were in community with each other. They went to church together. They ate together. I love it how they always are eating together. Amen. Right? No one's invited me over for food yet. I'm oh, still sad. If you haven't noticed, last times I preached, I keep talking about food, right? So come on, guys, make it happen. Um, they praised together. They prayed together. They studied the scriptures together. And community groups give us the opportunity to be in community with each other throughout the week. I know it's hard. We've got busy lives. But community groups help us live in Christian community, and they help us fulfill the mission that God has given to us. Our mission is not to come here once a week, stay in our little holy huddle, sing songs, hear the word of God, and do nothing with it. We might as well just close the doors right now because that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to think that. That just because we come here, we're following God. I will maintain, if you're not going and making disciples, we should talk. And I believe community groups will help us fulfill that. And I think community groups will help us be mobilized at a church because we love God. We love God by studying his word. We love God by praying. We love God by maybe sometimes questioning in a safe environment to where we can be equipped and taught and where we can teach all that God has commanded us. By being in community with one another, with the family, we're only able to love if we love God first. So we're only able to... Loving God, loving family and loving others, loving family and others doesn't work if you don't love God. You may think so, but if you don't got loving God happening, those two are pointless. It doesn't work. And so, first and foremost, we learn to love God more and more. And then we love family by helping and bearing one another's burdens. There's many stories of things that happen in our group that we like to come alongside and help people with, pray for. Maybe even simple things, like maybe helping people move. But we also get to share in the joys, the celebrations. We have a lot of kids in our group. We have a lot of babies born. So we get to share in that. And then we we hold each other accountable for what God has called us to do, and that is to be missionaries in our daily context. 
and by encouraging each other to stay the course. And then because of that outpouring, awe will come upon them and then we'll share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus because that is the critical mission God has given us. See, sharing the gospel, you may think, what does others, loving others look like? Sharing the gospel is the single greatest thing we could do to love others. It's the single greatest thing you can do to love others is sharing the gospel with them. So what does it look like? I'm going to have two gentlemen come up that are in our community groups. And hopefully we can maybe share a little bit of how that looks. I'm going to have Jordan and Ryan come up here real quick. But as they're coming, what does Acts 2 look like in our culture today? I know what some of you are thinking. Acts 2 isn't really practical today, right? I'm a mind reader. I know that. I know what you're thinking. I see it in your eyes. It's not really possible. The first century church lived a far more simple life. I don't have time to meet with others during the week. I'm just too busy. I need to be with my immediate family. These are all excuses that we can have. But see, you're probably right. They did live a more simple life in the first century, what with persecution and all, I'm sure. They didn't have time to experience the problems that we experience today. So you're probably right in there. Um, They didn't really have to worry about uh, social media. They probably just were trying to figure out how to stay alive. But, hey, whatever. Um, So what does this look like? Yeah, I hit it. I don't think I turned it on, though. Anyway. So, I'm going to ask these gentlemen a few questions, and thank you for being here, by the way. I know you love talking in public. But, Jordan, it's fine, they're fine. If I have to do it, they have to do it. Uh, Jordan is in our community group, and uh, by day, he's an inventory logistics specialist. And um, he's been in our community group for well, well over probably a year and a half, two years, something like that. And he, he helps on the tech team in the back. He's involved in Awana and Experience. And if you ever need someone to help you, call Jordan. So um, I have his number later if you want it, and I'll let you know. Um, but then we got Ryan. Ryan is a trustee, just, we just, and it's your fault. You voted him in. Um, he's, he's a trustee at our church. Um, very capable, I, I joke. But um, he's involved in a community group at the Voyance for about a year now. And he does many other things here, too, like Awana and VBS and all sorts of stuff. But I want to start with Ryan. And the question I have is, how have community groups really helped you grow in your love for God? Um, I think that uh, our community group, just coming alongside each other, and I, I, get, I personally get a lot of encouragement from the other people in my community group that brings me closer to God. So, you know, part of it is, you know, love God, love the family of God, and love others is our mission here. And um, when you love the family of God, you know, these other believers that are in our group, um, it pours into, you know, it pours into the others in your group. And for me, um, a big part of that is, you know, that, that, feed, that helps feed me in my relationship, and that brings me closer to God. So they're basically, you know, they're accountability partners in, in just going through life and holding me accountable to keep my relationship with God is my first priority. So. Jordan, same question. I think for me, um, as a Christian, everybody wants to grow in their love for God. I mean, that's a given. Um, for me personally, it's a question of how practically do I do it? 
and how do I overcome my struggles with it? How do I, can say, how do I stay consistent with it? And being in a group or community uh, is so helpful because you're around people who have the same struggles you do. Um, I remember this summer we were doing a uh, kind of like a work packet. It's called Radical. And it started out with questions about your personal walk with God. How do you pray? How do you read the scripture? And that following, two, everyone filled it out. That following Tuesday, we went over the answers, and everybody answered. And it was cool just to hear the other people in our group, um, just the ways that uh, they do things and how that can help me in my walk. Uh, people memorizing, how do you memorize scripture? Well, I put post-it notes on the mirror, or I have an app. And just to be able to use that to, to stay more consistent uh, in my walk is really helpful. So as you've been going through this, how has it helped you learn to love the church more, the family of God? I'm going to go back to Jordan on this. So I think with the exception of my family, the people in my community group are, I know the most intimately. And um, in our group, it's very, uh, we're very vulnerable with each other. We know each other's struggles. And in, in knowing that, we're able to pray for each other, uh, help each other in whatever we're struggling with, encourage one another. Um, as a community, we're encouraged to serve within the church. Uh, yeah, when you know someone that intimately, a group that intimately, um, it's, it's just great to, for one, to be able to pour into the lives of the people in our community and to know that those same people are feeding into your life and praying for you and encouraging you and helping you in your walk. I definitely get, um, I don't know, yeah, we get, you get that uh, deeper connection. I think I agree with Jordan. You get that deeper connection with your community group, um, getting to know people better. Uh, I think the community group concept in general has been really beneficial for me and my wife. Um, even bringing it, like, you know, like what you said, Josh, bringing it outside of just our community group. Um, the first thing that comes to mind like, that's a really applicable in my life is uh, when we first came here to Oak Grove Church, one of the first things that I noticed about Oak Grove that was different than other churches was um, when we came, people, they approached you and they wanted to get to know you and they made the effort. And we went, Amy and I went to a bigger church before. It was a great church. I mean, like, biblically sound, great pastor. And we were involved in, you know, a small group. But one of the things that I, I first noticed when we, Amy would say the same thing when we first got here was that um, people were instantly speaking into our lives. And I realized for myself that was something that I needed to, to do for others. When, um, when other new, we saw other new faces, I needed to break out of my shell and, and go out and, and, and engage these people. And kind of like what Josh was saying, like we can't just have it be go to church, go home, and, and separate these different areas of our lives. We have to live it out in everything that it is that we're doing. And what I've noticed personally is when I've engaged um, just new faces that I've seen, I have way more in common than I ever thought I was going to have with them, and, um, and I'm able to develop these deeper connections. Uh, the last question I have for you guys is, how have community groups helped you grow in your love 
for others. Now, I know you guys got some pretty fun stories, so maybe you can share one of those or just kind of speak into that. I, because that's, that's the scary thing, right? You're like, okay, I want to love God more, right? What Christian doesn't? Um, and I want to love the family of God more. Okay, all right. But then, oh, shoot, um, I actually got to tell other people about Jesus. Oh, no, what, what do I do? But it's not that intimidating, is it, once you actually get into it? So, why don't you, Ryan, why don't you start? Why don't you share some of your experiences? So, um, so for myself, uh, I think a lot of people are, you know, intimidated. It is, it is scary to, like, you know, you, you get comfortable with your church family. You have your community group, your, or, your, you know, if you've participated in small groups in the past or whatever, and uh, you have to break out of that shell, and all of a sudden you find yourself in an environment where you're in the real world, and not everyone agrees with your opinions and, and, your, and your beliefs, and they're challenging that. And it's scary. It's scary to, like, you know, you don't want to look like a, a fool in front of someone, you know, um, but what I've found is that um, God is there. He's, he's going to be, if you're, for me, it's an obedience thing. It's about being bold, and it's about being obedient. When you feel like God is pressing it on your heart to engage others in your life, and um, it can't just be, like Josh said, it can't just be, you know, the thing on Sunday. You know, it's got to, you got to engage people outside. Um, a couple examples for me um, recently um, would be, the first one would be uh, a VBS. We just got done with VBS. It was a lot of fun. And I've got two boys, and uh, my, my one son, uh, Beckham, you know, my Beckham's the one, if you see him around the church, he just never stops moving. He's always running around, um, never quits. And then don't confuse him with Calvin. Calvin's the one that's always bumming food off of you guys. Um, but Beckham, <clears throat> Beckham wanted to invite some of his friends to VBS from the neighborhood. And I was like, okay, yeah, we can, you know, we can do that. And he's like, Dad, Dad, I really want to go. I really want to go invite Caden. And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll go and walk around the neighborhood and we'll go invite Caden. He's like, oh, but then I really want to invite um, Marty. I'm like, okay. And he's like, oh, but we've got to get Broden. I'm like, oh, my God. So, I'm th- you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to go hit up, you know, over a period of like an hour and a half, like these different families and try to invite them to VBS. And then I was like, I was like, you know what, Beckham, I'm like, we're just going to go and we'll go talk to, we'll go talk to, uh, which one? Caden. We're going to go invite Caden. And, and then I was thinking to myself, what am I doing? Like, I got to, my, my little son wants to go out and share the gospel and, and invite these friends to church. And I was like, I got to get out there and I got to get out there with him. And what kind of dad would I be if I wasn't showing, you know, that example to him? So we walked around the neighborhood and we hit up three different households and it just felt like I was like, you know, trying to grab all the kids knocking from the neighborhood. Knocking on doors. Yeah, knocking on doors. And, um, and then the other one that comes to my mind is, um, uh, my soccer team. This has been an ongoing thing for years. Josh is on it. Jordan's on it now. Aboy and Jason. John. I mean, we got all these Tim Allen. We got all these guys on our soccer team now. And um, what? Uh, back when we first started, we had myself and then another guy that went to this previous church that we went to, and it was us on the soccer team. And the rest of the guys are all not believers. And I wanted to get these guys exposed to other followers of Christ and just introduce them into their lives. And over the years. God has really worked in that, and um, yeah, I mean, it's been a long progression over a period of probably six, seven, eight years of playing soccer, and now we've got, we're sponsored by Oak Grove Church, Um, half of our, we went to an 11-man team, so we have like a 21-man roster, and half of our team is, are, are part of Oak Grove Church, and the other half of the team are the guys that I've been playing with for all these years that, that don't know Christ. And um, Josh has been great. My brother-in-law, we're, Josh has been really, uh, you know, going after my brother-in-law. We want to lead him to the Lord. Um, 
but yeah, no, it's been, it's been really cool. And it's, like I said, it's just for me, it's really about the obedience of, of uh, taking the Lord's leading and, and going after him. Yeah, like, like Josh said, it, it all starts with loving God. You have to have an intimate relationship with him. And, I mean, we're called to love others. Um, for me, it started in community group. Uh, I go to a Friday morning Bible study led by John Anderson. And in both of those groups, the, right now we're currently, st- it's really stressed the importance of having an awareness of the Spirit at work around you. Um, you know, when, when I wake up in the morning and I pray, Lord, give me opportunities and allow me to have the boldness to take these opportunities, stuff happens. And um, a lot of times you don't, I mean, it, it's, it's impossible to ignore. Uh, a couple examples that come to mind. So my coworkers, I've, been, I've got two of them. And the one I've worked with for almost five years now. And uh, the other's newer. I've known him for about a year and a half. Uh, I've been working on both of them. Finally, the one of them brought his wife and his daughter to Fun Feet Soccer, and then just most recently to VBS. So it's a huge praise. Um, and then the other I've been working on, them, I've invited them both to do the uh, Growing in Christ Bible study with me. They declined, but I'll keep working on them. Um, and then the other example I have, you know, I, I, I was praying for opportunities, and I was at the final day of Fun Feet Soccer, and um, the kids were kicking the ball around. One ball went in the street, and there was a guy running on, in the street, and he did a cool move, flipped it up to himself, caught it. And uh, he tossed the ball back to the kid, and he put his earphones in, and he was going to start running again. And he stopped, and he looked, and then he started slowly walking over. And I knew, I knew, oh, i got to talk to that guy, but I didn't want to because I'm, I'm an introvert, obviously. And, uh, but he kept walking closer and closer and closer. And I was thinking to myself, it sounds so stupid in hindsight, but, you know, how can I approach this guy? And he finally sat down on the park bench, and I walked my daughter. I used my daughter. I walked my daughter over there, Reese, and I had her, I put her on the bar- park bench because she likes to stand now. And uh, so she stood there. He turned around and he looked at her, because how can't you? She's so cute. And he, uh, he started talking to her, and then, you know, that opened up the dialogue and found out that he likes soccer. And uh, I told him, you know, we've got men's league going. And unfortunately, it was too late in the season for him, but I'm going to keep him in mind. I got his number. Keep him in mind for when, um, for when we do the uh, next season. But, yeah, just having a, uh, an awareness of the spirit around you is huge. Thanks, guys. Give him a hand. If you didn't hear, um, they're using their, they're exploiting their children for this. So, uh, I mean, if you don't have kids, then, well, no, never mind. Thank you, gentlemen. That, that's awesome to think. And that's really what the heart of the church is, um, is to be in mission and on mission for Jesus. And that's what I believe, truly believe that community groups can help us grow in that, because none of us are meant to live this life alone. We're going to go over that next week. We are not meant to go on this mission. 
alone. One little story I have is every Wednesday you will find myself, Brad and Grant, at the Caribou Coffee on Nathan Lane and Rockford Road, or 42nd, or 9. Apparently you guys call it so many different things around here. Um, and so we, we meet there. We have our weekly staff meeting there. Um, this week was the first week we did not meet at the crack of dawn. Uh, we met at 8 instead of 6. That was really nice. That was great. Um, but we have gotten to know several people there. They work the same shift, and we've met the same people for over about a year now. And one of the, the people we know, his name is Tim. And I have gotten to know Tim uh, probably more than you should know your barista, I would think. Um, but he, I know that he's a wife, two kids. One is about, they're thinking about college, getting ready for that. He's a, uh, after he leaves Caribou, he's a personal trainer. He loves the twins, probably more than Brent. I don't know. Maybe there's a connection there. Maybe, maybe we can make that work. I don't know. I mean, he, he loves the twins, right? So if you go into Caribou and you see a guy named Tim, just start talking about the twins and you immediate connection. Um, but you, we wouldn't know that about this gentleman if we weren't out in the world looking for these opportunities. And so these are just some simple things. Nothing you heard from these gentlemen or from me is difficult. It's just simply going, because God said go. So as you go to Starbucks, as you go to Caribou, as you go to Hy-Vee, as you go to Ridgedale, as you're going, look for those opportunities that God's giving you. They're always there. Ask them for it. They will show up, I promise. And so our call and what we see happening in Acts and what we see happening in the lives of Ryan and Jordan is a people dedicated, a people devoted to the mission of God. A people desiring to see the gospel spread to every corner of the earth. Because see, earlier I said that when God makes a command, when God gives a promise, it always comes to completion. So when God says to go, Make disciples. He doesn't say go and maybe make disciples. You might get lucky. He says go and make disciples. That is a command where it says go, disciples will be made. If you're following me and I tell you to do something and you don't do it, are you really following me? He says go. Make disciples. It's going to happen. Because I have my spirit here for you. I have the helper here to help you as you're going. And I will contend that this going was not meant to be done alone. And we're going to talk about that next week. We're not in this alone. And that's why I value community groups so much. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up because we're going to take communion. But instead of taking communion, because we take communion to remember the sacrifice that Christ made for us. It's a remembrance. It's something to help us, motivate us, and help us spark our memory. Instead of coming up, why don't we think about something we can do for God and how he says to go? Where can we go? So as we're thinking about that sacrifice, what can we sacrifice? Where can we go? What can we do for the gospel? And like you heard these gentlemen say, it's not difficult. It doesn't have to be this awe-inspiring thing. You don't need to get up like Peter and 3,000 people get saved. All you need to do is go and learn the name of a barista. So maybe, maybe instead 
of getting coffee here on Sunday mornings. Maybe you stop at your local Starbucks on the way in. If you think that's ridiculous to pay that much, why don't you go to McDonald's and have good coffee? But there's little things that you can do. So let's pray. God, God, you're so good to us. God, you've given us more than we deserve, more than we could ever have hoped for. God, we thank you that you gave us the greatest gift of your son dying on the cross. Father, we thank you that you did not leave us here alone, but you sent us your helper, your spirit. So God, move us, Lord. Move us as a church. Move us as your people. Move us as a family of God to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love their neighbor as ourself, Lord. God, teach us what it means to go. Help us to go and make disciples, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's for your most beautiful name we pray. Amen. We're at the store. If you want to see how this works, hang out with Grant for the day and you'll meet many people. It's very simple. It's just, how are you? What are you about? So let's pray. God, God, you're so good to us. God, you've given us more than we deserve, more than we could ever have hoped for. God, we thank you that you gave us the greatest gift of your son dying on the cross. Father, we thank you that you did not leave us here alone, but you sent us your helper, your spirit. So God, move us, Lord. Move us as a church. Move us as your people. Move us as a family of God to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love their neighbor as ourself, Lord. God, teach us what it means to go. Help us to go and make disciples, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's for your most beautiful name we pray. Amen.